Welcome to the Remote Leadership Podcast. I'm Deborah Dinocenzo, and I'll be your host and guide as we explore new challenges and proven keys to success for leaders and teams who must get results from a distance. For more than two decades, I've helped organizations and leaders successfully go virtual. Now that we're all on a trajectory toward the next normal of work from anywhere and hybrid teams, I'm excited to share with you the insights and expertise that thousands of leaders and teams have acquired through my books, coaching, training, and presentations. Join me to learn tips, techniques, and skills that leaders and teams in your organization can implement now to achieve effectiveness in our evolving remote workplace. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Remote Leadership Podcast. And I'm excited today to focus on onboarding new leaders with my guest, Mark Elliott, who's the founder of Onboarding Services and has been around the block for a lot of decades and knows his stuff. Mark is a friend and a colleague and extremely knowledgeable in the the area of onboarding. And uh, welcome, Mark. And please add anything else you'd like people to know about you. Um, that kind of covers it. So I, the only good thing about being old is it means you have a lot of experience. Exactly, you know, so. exactly. And we, and we want to leverage that today. And uh, because I've been hearing a lot of questions about the challenge of onboarding as the remote and hybrid workplace has expanded, particularly during COVID, there was a little bit of a panic about how do we bring on new people. And of course, we've all been through the experience of hiring new people who left before we ever got to meet them, which really drives home the importance of onboarding, which is why I am thrilled that you could join us today. So let's start first, Mark, with what is onboarding? What's the definition of onboarding? How do you define it as you've worked with it? Well, the first thing is that I, I would focus in on onboarding for new managers and new leaders. Um, organizations have onboarding processes, and, and most of them do, progressive ones do. Um, for some of them, it's just a renamed orientation program. But when it comes to a new manager or a new leader, the, what's at stake is so much more than just a rank and file employee. What um, the the impact when when a new manager or a new leader is hired or even promoted from within when when a leader is put in a position it isn't to fill a position it's with the expectation that they will produce some results that are needed by the organization and sometimes those results um can be life or death of the business Right. And, and so so organizations understand that at senior leadership level and even managers underneath them, that what's at stake requires a different level of support. So it's not just an everyday onboarding process. It's a right. specialized one for new leaders. So you mentioned uh, new leaders, not necessarily, we're not necessarily talking about onboarding for new employees who are coming into the organization, which might really remind us of traditional orientation kinds of programs. So elaborate on that a little bit. Sure. Um, it, it, it's, a, it's a myth and just a mistake by a lot of organizations that they assume that when they promote from within, that and part of the reason they did that was, gee, we have somebody who can, quote, quote, hit the road running. 
and we have somebody who already knows the culture and we have somebody who already has built relationships with key stakeholders. And, and so why, why do we need to support that person with an onboarding support process? And, and the answer is pretty simple that um, first of all, when you go up a table, so when you go from the table, the management table, you've been sitting around and now you're at the senior leadership table, there's a different culture. Yes, mm. the corporate culture may be the same, but the executive culture changes pretty dramatically. You know, who speaks? Who has power? How are decisions made? How do you disagree? All of those things are part of the culture of, around that executive table, and those have to be taught. And hopefully you're not right. teaching them by um, making mistakes, okay? They're learning the hard way. Right. So an onboarding process will say, recognize that there's a new culture around that boardroom table or around that executive table. Um, the, I said that the person is believed to come with relationships. Well, I'm sorry. Some of those relationships were going out and bowling or playing golf or having drinks with the, and now you're their boss. You were a peer yesterday and now you're their boss. That's a whole different relationship. And some and, of those experiences for multinational organizations or organizations that have just become truly hybrid and remote or expanding in that way, can't replicate some of those face-to-face experiences, all all of which we all admit are important. So how does an organization deal with that? How do they replace those? Well, so so first of all, one is the, the appreciation and the understanding of what's at stake, that Promotion from within is not automatic success or accelerated success. That recruiting from the outside, while science has made it better, there there are so much better assessment processes and and therefore better decision making. Um, The the role of a, of a, a really good comprehensive onboarding process for new managers and new leaders is to take the person who is supposed to be successful and help ensure that they will be successful and that they'll achieve that success faster. Yeah. So yeah. that's the purpose of, of, of having a comprehensive onboarding support process. So the definition changes. The yeah. definition is um, an extended process, not a couple of days, not a week. It's an extended process of support. And, and in my case, that's typically three to six months of supporting a new leader who's supposed to be successful and having them be assured of success and contributing to the bottom line faster. Um, the other part of the definition is the new person, the organization's typically responsible for, for orientation and whatever onboarding currently exists. This says it's a shared responsibility where the new leader has a responsibility to come in and not screw up, mm-hmm. to not ignore the differences in the culture, to not ignore, uh, well, in fact, I'll say it another way, Decades of research have shown that there are more than a dozen common, keyword, common missteps and mistakes that all new leaders are at risk of making. Mm-hmm. So they come in and a few of them, they come in and they have high expectations of themselves and they try to do too much too soon. They, they, they introduce change before they, they've built the foundation for that change. They come in with thinking they know the answer and trying to tell answers too quickly. They, they may even start with not even a clear understanding of their mandate and their expectations. The list goes on. Right. And right. any one of those, any one of those can cause the person to fail or at a minimum 
to stumble and slow down their progress and, and, and to cause the organization to have some disruptions. And I, so I just I think about the complexity of that when people are face to face every day versus the confusion and added complexity when people aren't together and aren't able to bump into each other to talk about things. And what I really love about your, your view of onboarding, which is a three to six month process, is it really um, supports what Jason Morwick and I wrote about in our book on remote leadership is um, the importance of coaching for success. So, you know, you're your approach to onboarding really is a, a, an extensive coaching for success initiative, it seems like to me. Well, absolutely. And, and, and another piece that is often missed is that when you onboard a new leader or a new manager, the assumption is that that's the focus, the entire focus. And the fact of the matter is that there's an extensive amount of coaching for that person's boss to have them be a better boss that will facilitate the success of the new person. Here, here, here's a quick scenario. Almost all of us who've gone to a new job have had our new boss on day one stick out their hand and say, welcome aboard. I'm here for you if you need me. Okay, two things wrong with that statement. I'm here for you if you need me. One, if you need me, it makes me reticent to come to you because then I look needy. Right. Okay, all right. And the other part is, I'm here for you if you need me. Well, even before the remote work environment, that boss wasn't. That boss either had all kinds of closed door meetings all day long scheduled. That boss was away at visiting other work sites. That boss was at business conferences, whatever that was, that boss was not immediately available. And oh, by the way, you just made me reticent to come to you. Yep. So a lot of the onboarding coaching is to help the boss be a better boss that'll facilitate that new manager or leader who's coming to the organization. So while it's the new manager or leader that's being onboarded, there are critical components to that beyond just that person and what they need to learn or learn uh, how to do. Yeah, absolutely. When there's a coach involved, uh, a, a coach will, will do back-channel communication. And, and again, this, in, the age, in the age before remote, that meant walking the halls of that business location and, and sitting down with somebody and saying, how's Deborah doing? Mm-hmm. Has she made any missteps early on? And so informal collection of information, because then you go to Deborah, who's the onboarding new manager or leader, and you say, so Deborah, how did your meeting go with Sean? Mm-hmm. And you go, wow, it was great. It was fantastic, blah, blah, blah. But you've already talked to Sean. The coach has already talked to Sean and found out it wasn't so fantastic. Okay. And he's willing to cut her some slack, but she needs some feedback on how to deal with him and that stakeholder relationship differently. Well, you know, Sean is just impossible. Yeah, he is. <laughs> but he also has tenure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so how are you as a coach facilitating all of those kind of connections, which, you know, people in organizations are having trouble doing. So I'm curious about how you're doing that and your role as an executive coach um, when you can't, sh- you, you haven't been able to show up and walk the halls and talk to Sean. Yeah. So again, it was tough before, you know, no. it was difficult before to get people's time. It was difficult before, before being before remote. Um, it was difficult before to, to get the boss to set up any number of feedback sessions with the new person. What I mean by that is 
um, an onboarding process will tell the new person, you need to be sensitive to the culture that you've just walked into and how it might be different than cultures you've worked come from. Okay. And so there's a meeting to get set up where after a, a short period of time, the, the person meets with the boss, the new person meets with the boss and says, here's my take on the cultural differences here. And the boss gets to say, you nailed it or said, well, I could see why you'd think that, but don't be fooled. Mm. Here's the reality of it. So there are a dozen or more of those kind of meetings, business situation analysis, who are the key stakeholders I should be building relationships with? Where's the power base in this organization? All of those are meetings with the boss. Those were tough to hold before remote. Yeah. Now with everybody scheduled every hour of the day for the next Zoom session, that's even more difficult. And, and, and so um, one of the things that I have found as a best practice um, is that in hybrid, well, even in remote situations or, or, or combination remote and hybrid, um, a new leader who otherwise would be roaming the halls or otherwise setting up meetings with people to build those relationships and start to get organizational insight and learn about the culture and learn about the power base and all of that. Um, and some of those could be impromptu. Well, impromptu doesn't exist anymore. Right, right. You schedule, you schedule a Zoom or a Skype or a WebEx or a whatever meeting. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and oh, by the way, forgive me, but oh, by the way, um, those video presentation tools for as good as they are, they're still not the human experience. Exactly. They're, they're, you know, when a new person is coming in, um, what used to be, even in a, a more casual work environment, was the person looked pretty presentable. You know, I've seen people in their first Zoom session in a, in a new role in a new organization wear hoodies, okay? And maybe they didn't have it up, but they right. were wearing a hoodie, yeah. okay? Yeah. And, and, and the, 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 the axiom is correct. You only get one shot at a first impression. Right, right. <laughs> All right. So, right. I mean, we, we, we understandably lightened up during COVID. I get that. I, and I've seen a lot of that as well. Um, and, uh, you know, for decades, I've been involved in the remote workforce. We didn't call it remote then, we called it telework, right? And, uh, you know, we had all these rigid rules about, you know, if you worked at home, if you telecommuted, you had to have a dedicated office space and it had to be, ha have a closed door and never, never could you have your kids around and you should like tie up your pet in the shed. Uh, right, right. And, you know, we had to let go of all of that. So we've flexed uh, and I'm, as I'm seeing it, we're not really sure what now to require. Um, some of that would be judgment. You would think a new leader wouldn't show up in a hoodie. But um, so what do you see as, uh, as you look at it in, in this environment now, what are still some of the core best practices for onboarding that have only, always existed for you? And how are you helping clients implement those in this well, new environment? So, for, so first, it starts with be clear on the definition of onboarding, be clear on the need for it, commit to it as a high priority. Okay, so for the boss who needs to hold all of these, what I'll call feedback sessions, all of these learning sessions with the new person in the organization, that boss needs, who's already um, overbooked, Zoom, Zoom exhausted. Yes, exactly. All right, all right? that boss mm -hmm. needs to commit 
to being available so the person learns what they need to learn faster. So the person doesn't step in anything along the way. So the person doesn't run around a corner, hypothetically, run around a corner and run off a cliff. So the first thing is the boss giving it priority and understanding what's at stake. Okay. The second thing is that there are some things that, uh, so I I have a new person I'm coaching now. And they're only required to come to the office once a week. Mm. But what we orchestrated was that we laid out who are the stakeholders you need to build relationships with. And oh, by the way, they're only required to come to work one day a week. Okay. (laughs) What if you coordinated with them and had it be the same day? Okay. So if you're one day a week and, and for whatever reason you picked Thursday, but a, a group, half a dozen of the people on your list of 15 people you need to build relationships with, find the half a dozen that you can make, have come in, coordinate, make a schedule with, that they'll be there the same day you're going to be there. So it now becomes an in-person meeting. Yeah. Okay. And you get a chance to go to the cafeteria and sit and have a Coke together and get to know each other or, or whatever those things were we could do pre-pandemic, pre, pre-remote work situations. Okay, so that's one. Yeah. Um, the other one is uh, you, you have to try twice as hard. You know, if in fact these are the obstacles that now we are do, doing it by Zoom or Skype or whatever, and oh, by the way, your boss is really, you know, full time busy already. Um, you need, sometimes it takes the outside facilitator to say, okay, how are we going to make this work? There's too much at stake. How are we going to make this work? And so it takes compromise and it takes priority. So the outside facilitator could be an internal HR person or someone that's designated to help shepherd um, onboarding, new onboard leaders being onboarded. And, and in fact, some organizations assign a mentor, you know, okay, to help the great. person on yeah. board. So it sounds a lot like also in your approach is to help the new leader recognize they own a big part of the responsibility for being successful, while at the same time, you must be helping if they don't see it themselves. The hiring leader or the, the executive team recognize the pain of failure. When we're talking about people in management positions, it probably took them a while to get that person, particularly in this environment. Uh, that we're currently in, and the pain uh, and cost to have to replace uh, someone who fails that isn't successful, which to me drives home, again, the importance of coaching and onboarding for success. Yeah, absolutely. And and, uh, some pieces, parts of that. Um, One is um, that organizations today, again, you know, recruiting people has become very challenging. Yep. Um, even when you have a remote work environment, people will have multiple choices of opportunities they can go to. My clients put out front when they're interviewing people, oh, by the way, we're going to make an additional investment in your success. And you're going to have a three to six month onboarding support process to help ensure your success. So that becomes not part of the compensation package and other perks and all of that. But it, it surely is an attraction a tangible, real attraction element in the recruiting process. Mm-hmm. And as they're talking to people in the organization, in the interviewing process, they'll say, so tell me about this extended onboarding support process. And right. people will say, it's, they'll do all the, the, the positives about it. It accelerated my relationship building with my boss. 
It accelerated my success and it was an investment in me that they made and so on. Okay. Um, so it, there's that piece to it. Um, rest of your question. I'm sorry. Yeah. So uh, really putting accountability on both sides, not just the organization who, you know, historically when we think of onboarding, it is sort of, you know, fancier orientation in some cases, but you're talking about a, a true investment in people's success, uh, which is just a whole different view of this, whether, you know, somebody hires you or another coach to do this, if they tried to even manage it themselves, making the, which is perfectly reasonable, this person's just hired into a leadership role, right? They should be able to lead their own onboarding process um, which might be, I don't know, is that a challenge for people who well, are not as assertive as you and I are or are introverts in this environment? Again, especially where you can't just have somebody stop by your you know, new office and say, hey, welcome aboard. You know, they might get a text or an email. Well, so the, so the first thing is um, what, what a lot of senior leaders have said to me is they said, you know, Mark, all the stuff you're telling me, I already know. And then they get a smile on their face and they say, but I was going to cut corners, huh. you know, because I've made a lot of these transitions. I, I've been successful. You know, I haven't failed yet. And I said, well, guess what? The odds are, <laughs> the odds are working against you, um, yeah. especially if you cut corners on the best practice approaches. So the first thing is to remind them of best practice approaches. Second thing is to create structure and forgive the sports analogy, but to make sure they touch the bases as they, as they go trying to score that they don't you know, miss a base on the way to success. Um, so you create a, a formal structure. You put a timeline on it that creates time pressure. If in fact, and this is fact from decades of research, just like the culture in America for the first 100 days of the presidency, yep. give, or, give or take the first 90 to 120 days with a new leader, the organization has decided if they're a keeper or if they need to cut their costs, to cut their losses. So if that narrow time window of the first 90 or 120 days is high risk, high visibility, then not only have structure, assure that you're following best practices and a coach can help them do that, okay, and have deliverables, have tangible bites of the elephant along the way. So if one of the things they get told to do is assess the cultural differences that you've walked into. There should be a tangible deliverable of that assessment. I had a client who wrote five bullets on a cocktail napkin, and that was okay because he could talk about the, those cultural differences for an hour. Yeah. And I had somebody else do six page PowerPoint presentation and then review it with the boss and give the boss a chance to say, you nailed it or you missed it over here or whatever. Yeah. So there, so what used to be the boss meeting the boss would say to somebody while they were in, at the water cooler or whatever, so Henry, how's it going? Mm -hmm. Okay. And Henry might or might not tell them some issue that had come up and he might schedule a time. Okay. This says there will be a set aside time every week for one of these important topics. And there will be a deliverable that the new manager has created that gets reviewed with the boss and or the coach. So Henry has an opportunity to seek some guidance, some uh, alignment, uh, some calibrating without the having to initiate that necessarily and maybe 
run the risk of feeling like, you know, I should know this and I shouldn't have to look weak in front of my new boss. Yeah. And, and absolutely. And we would, we, we legitimize that. We tell the person you are going to meet with your new boss on this schedule and okay. here's what you're going to review. And so, for example, one, one of the things is called getting started communications. Okay. Early on, it's one of the responsibilities for the new leader is getting started communications. And that means who internally didn't get the job that might be sensitive to the fact that I got recruited from the outside. I need to start building a relationship with that person. Okay. Who, who are key stakeholders? Who has power without authority? You know, who, who has informal power without real authority? All of these things. And the person can't determine that for themselves. So that means the boss says, here are those things you need to know. And the new person says, well, when I meet with so-and-so, here's what I'm going to say. And the boss will say, no, don't say that. You know, and it sounded like something very just everyday casual. And, and, the, and when you say, you don't know the history behind that. You don't know the last time that blew up when a person. And, and so having all of those orchestrated meetings. Now, they're not, you know, they're not one hour meetings, two hour meetings, you know, given the realities of the workplace. But yeah. they are hugely important because it's not just the how's it going, Henry. Right. It's, it's their touch, touch points, it sounds yeah. like. It's, again, decades of research exist on yeah. all of this. So, for example, somebody who's been a turnaround manager, successful, mm -hmm. and gets brought into an organization that doesn't require a turnaround, if yeah. he or she, if he or she leads that business unit as if it's a turnaround, they're destined to failure. Right. So, the very first thing they're supposed to do is do a business situation analysis. Don't trust what people told you in the interview, because in the interview, they might often say just the opposite. They might say, this thing is humming along and it's just fine. And we just need you to guide the ship. And then the person goes in and they find out that out of the five business units they're responsible for, three of them are disasters. OK, and so they need to do that assessment that's tangible, deliverable. Mm -hmm. They need to review it with their boss and have the boss go, you know what, you're right. Okay, so there's yeah. not a disconnect on how they're going to lead that organization and ultimately fail. Yeah. So, um, so what have you seen um, in terms of the uh, unique best practices that organizations are uh, creating as we become more dispersed, uh, I mean, your, your story about, you know, I need to meet with somebody and I'm only in one day a week and this person's only in one day a week, just, you know, it gives me a little bit of a headache thinking about trying to coordinate with the six people that that new leader has to try to coordinate with. So are there any um, enhancements to or changes to your process that you use in coaching uh, that you've had to adapt and help your clients adapt the process to this new environment? Yeah, well, the, the, the first thing is to use technology. And that is, in our case, um, senior executives still want and get coaches, live coaches. But as organizations have wanted to drive this down to the next layers of senior VPs, VPs, AVPs, whatever those titles are, um, one, they didn't want the, the expense of live coaches at every level. And so they said, why not build a tool that provides this structured guidance, provides the best practice approaches, 
provides the tips, the warnings, the cautions, and all all that, and also then deliver has at the end of all of that information in each of its segments, time segments like you just started your first month and so on. At each of those segments has the deliverables that are due. Okay, here's your culture assessment. Here's your business situation analysis. Um, you know, so sorry about the phone in the background. No okay. problem. Okay. Things happen. Um, yeah. Um, and, and so that is now an online tool that is available 24 seven um, for that three to six month time frame of providing ongoing everyday support for that new leader and that new leader's boss. Yeah. So okay. what just you said, you said unique. So let me share one thing with you. Sure. Um, one of my one of my clients hands out a document to all their new managers. And the document is our desired culture. And it's like a four page document on, you know, we're going to have agile leadership. We're going to have this, all of that kind of stuff. Here are our values. Um, and that's better than not doing it. Right. right? right. But another client, another client has a two day session on, and again, by Zoom these days. So you have all the new managers that have been hired in a certain time frame, and in a Zoom meeting with a leader, a facilitator, they are told about the new culture. Or the mm. desirable culture, if it's in you know in progress, and and I have a client in San Antonio. You said unique approaches. They want to talk about the values of their their company, and Father Ron leads that value discussion. Oh. They bring in a they bring in a local priest who who talks about the corporate values, about their morals, their ethics, and the workplace, and all of that. Yeah, and so oh. all kind there's all kinds of creativity being shown. Well, that's great. As we wrap up, I, I love just kind of wrapping up with that, because one of the things that I think is so important right now that uh, or a lot of organizations are feeling the pain, obviously, of the great resignation. And who knows, by the time people listen to this, is the great resignation over or do we have some other new crisis in in uh, organizations? But, um, you know, the truth is uh, people want to work in a place where their values or understood that they can buy into and that they too are valued. And I think, you know, taking the time, making the investment to think past orientation um, and doing it quick um, and just giving people information in writing and investing in their success is a way, a, a very important way to convey that we really value people and uh, appreciate them and, and want them to stay with us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, and and, and, and I, I am pleased. I, I used to be an executive recruiter. And executive recruiting was a transaction that often ended, for the most part, on the day the new person showed up. Mm-hmm. You know, so you, you held your breath and, and you waited for the phone call that the new manager or new leader showed up. Okay. Um, and that transaction, while it was nice, um, wasn't nearly as fulfilling as spending three to six months with that person, helping ensure their success. Right. And right. The, success, it's the success of the client organization who hired them, recruited them. Yeah. And, and so it's a very different, um, it's a, di- a very different process. It's not transactional. So in terms of key takeaways, as we wrap up, obviously what I'm hearing from you is have a process. What would you add in terms of key takeaways? You want people 
to remember as they uh, as we wrap this up? Well, the first thing is to recognize what you don't have. And that starts with what's the definition of onboarding for a new manager or a new leader? Do you appreciate that it's a different process, an add-on to what you might already be doing? Do you appreciate that, it, it's, that there's a lot at stake and therefore it's worth a high priority and investment of time and, and maybe money, okay? And then do you have a best practice approach to what you've now said you need to do. Gee, we need to provide more structure. We need to provide more support. Um, what's the best practice approaches for doing that? And let's make sure we're a best practice company, business. Great, okay, okay. wonderful. Mark, this has been great. I, I know that this will be very helpful to everyone who's listening. And um, uh, I hope to have you back someday as we continue to, to meet some of these challenges. Uh, and we're sorting it out. People ask me all the time, you know, how's this hybrid? What's this hybrid thing? And my answer always is, well, you know, we're still figuring it out in so many ways. So um, again, thank you for your time and uh, your insights. And uh, uh, there's more information about Mark in the podcast notes with a brief bio and uh, be in touch with me if anyone has uh, any questions or needs additional information. So thank you, Mark, and thanks everyone for listening. Thank you, Deborah. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Remote Leadership Podcast. If you found value in what you heard, share this with your colleagues. And if you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. Additional free resources and direct ways to reach me are available at remoteleadershippodcast.com. Thanks for listening and for always learning.